Welcome to the Course Creator Community Podcast. Your host is a course creator who currently generates over $1 million a year selling his online courses. And now he teaches you how to do the same. And just so you know, he is also the biggest Game of Thrones fan in the world. Hashtag Team Lannister, Mr. Jonah Petrohelos. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Course Creator Community Podcast. I'm your host, Jono, and I am super excited because we've got an awesome guest on the way on the line this week, all the way from Manila in the Philippines. A little bit about this man. He runs Digital Solopreneur. He's an email marketing trainer and consultant. He helps coaches and course creators boost sales, amplify engagement, and create lifelong customers using emails that people love to read and buy from. He's a master storyteller with over eight years of experience in writing and consulting in various industries, including stock market, insurance, overseas recruitment, development, language learning, and most important, women's fashion. I can tell by looking at his shirt there that he's uh, really into his women's fashion. So without further ado, let me introduce the one and only Mr. Alan Yo. Alan, how are you? Hello, hello. Thank you for having me, Jono. It's a, it's a pleasure and I'm really excited for this conversation. No, I'm excited uh, myself because it's a sexy topic we're going to speak about today. The five email sins that course creators are committing that are robbing them blind. But just before we get into that, Alan, I like to start all my podcasts off with a quote or mantra that inspires you or fires you up. Have you got one for us? I do. I do have one. It's actually in my post-it just in front of my monitor. <laughs> so it's from Jim Watkins. So it says, a river cuts through rock, not because of its power, but because of its persistence. Say that again. I missed the first one. Yeah, sorry. I, I'll say it again. It's from Jim, Jim Watkins. A river cuts through rock, not because of its power, but because of its persistence. Love it. So keeping at it is really a a huge key for me because I don't believe I'm not a superstar copywriter. I don't think that I'm especially gifted than others. I think that it's really more the persistence and consistency that has gotten me the success that I had. And I feel the same way for everyone who, who wishes to pursue their dreams. hundred percent. You, you can't beat a person who never gives up. You know, it's like there's one one way you're going to be successful. It's not giving up. Try one way, it doesn't work. Try another way, it doesn't work. There's there's only, so, you know what? I think it will, I'm not, me personally, I'm not smart enough to come up with enough ways that don't work. You know, if I try 10, 15, mm. 20, 30 ways, one of them's going to work just from persistence. Right. So I, I love that. Um, Alan, before we get into our tips, let us know a little bit about you and, and Digital Solopreneur there. Let us know in a couple minutes, what is it that you guys do there? Sure, yeah. Um, one of the things that um, we love doing is helping out creators and coaches and experts because for us, the way we view ourselves, yes, we do email, but deep down, we believe that we are change makers, right? Because we, coming from a third world country as well, a developing country, one of the biggest equalizers for us is education, mm. right? So um, there are inequality in society, but some education, knowledge is one of the best equalizers. And we feel that by empowering, empowering educators, course creators, people who share knowledge, we are able to help them put that knowledge into direct hands. And maybe we can change the world, but you know, if we can help one person sell their program and that program helps somebody 
improve their lives, right? Pass a certification, land a job, become more confident, build a marriage, right? Repair a marriage. Then that's kind of the change that we want to, to be a part of. So that's why even if we do emails overall, we feel that we want to call ourselves as change makers because that's the ultimate goal. Yes, love it. My, my background's in fitness. So I used to be a personal trainer. And before I trained people, I used to be the salesperson. I'd work behind the counter and you know sign people up for the membership. And that's the exact way I looked at it. Like I wasn't a salesperson. I wasn't a membership consultant. But it was like, if I can motivate this person to make that decision to actually sign up for the gym, then it changes their lives. So I love the way that you've You've brought that up there. So, and I'll put um, Alan's links down in the show notes. He's also got, he's put a freebie together for us. Uh, do you want to let us know, uh, let everyone know what the freebie is, Alan? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm a student of the game. Basically, I, I love seeing, when I see something interesting on in my inbox and when I come, come up with something interesting, I like to share it. So we put together 45 of our favorite subject lines that you could use for your own emails and we categorize them into like shock factor, um, scarcity. So you don't have just a compilation of 45 subject lines. We put them, organize them in a way that's easy for you to use and find what, what fits your situation best. So I'm super excited to share that with you guys. Yes. So I'm going to steal a copy of that myself, I think. And there's, uh, there's my subject lines for the rest of the year taken care of. Uh, and I'll put the link down in the show notes. So if anyone's interested in the freebie, go to the show notes and you can download them from there. Uh, let's get into it, Alan. So today we're speaking okay. specifically about the five sins that cause creators are committing that are robbing them blind. Let's start with number one. What's, what's the number one sin? Definitely. Number one. Sin number one is fearing the unsubscribes. Mm. Right? So I have a quick question for you, Jono. Yes. Um, who is your dream interview? My dream interview for this yeah. podcast? Yeah. Any, they could be based anywhere in the world. I would say Tony Robbins. All right. Perfect. So what if there's a, this situation where Tony Robbins is like, uh, is right now in Australia, like two hours away from you, mm. right? And he agreed to go on an interview with you, Ooh. right? So my my question for you is, would you be willing to drive a couple of hours, buy snacks along the way, pay for gas, pay for parking, and foot the bill for the coffee you're going to have with Tony Robbins? Will you be willing to pay that in order to have that the, dream interview? The, the coffee, Tony Robbins, I'll buy him a five-star meal. You know, he doesn't just need the coffee. I'll get him dessert and entree and yeah, 100%. Right, definitely. And my point here is that that's kind of the cost of doing business, right? In order mm. for you to get an interview with him, yeah. that's the price you have to pay, right? So that's how I would like people to frame unsubscribes. Yeah. That's also the cost of doing business, right? Because if you're not sending emails, it's the equivalent of not meeting Tony Robbins mm. just because you're you're cheaping out <laughs> on yeah. the coffee, right? <laughs> you don't want to pay for gas, right? Yeah. So that's the equivalent, right? So I committed this mistake as well. Like I would send value-only emails, mm. like not selling nothing at all. It's something that I'd send my mom. <laughs> I'd even send it to the Pope and he would feel good <laughs> about it. But <laughs> but still people unsubscribe, yeah. even if it's totally value, right? Yeah. So it's almost pointless to to fear the unsubscribe, right? Because when you do that, you're playing not to lose rather than playing to win. So 
in fact, like unsubscribes are a blessing as well because as you all know, if you're um, doing any sort of email marketing, the more subscribers you have, the higher you have to pay for your service. Mm -hmm. So by unsubscribing, they're actually volunteering (laughs) for you to get out of your list. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So if you put it that way, um, it will give you the courage, you know, to send more and to serve and to play to win, to serve mm-hmm. those who really want your help and weeding out people who are perhaps freebie seekers or maybe it's just not the right time to be with you. And oh, yeah, I love that so much. And because I guess like if you want a guaranteed way not to make any sales, don't send the email. <laughs> You know, uh, exactly. send the email. Okay, maybe you get some unsubscribes, but you you you're putting yourself in the game to make sales. Me personally, I don't even check unsubscribes anymore. You know, I just check the bank account, right. and I'm like, oh, okay. You know, the bank account's going up. All right, things are good. Uh, I don't check unsubscribes. And also on top of that as well, which I think is important, I'll unsubscribe from people, not necessarily because I don't like them, but I'm just not in the mood. Mm-hmm. I, I've unsubscribed from Tony Robbins, yeah. even though he's my dream person. Sometimes he emails mm-hmm. me too much and I'm like, Tony, sorry, you know, not even, I'm not going to sign up for your thing right now. Unsubscribe. doesn't mean I'm never going to buy from him. I'll go back later and, mm-hmm. you know, he'll, he'll pop up in my feed or right. I'll go to his website or he'll hit me with the right thing on Facebook at the right time and I'll buy it or, or enter in. It's not a forever gone. It's just, you know, right now. Right. And I know even then, you know, I know like, how to hit, does he care if I unsubscribe? Probably not. He probably made a thousand sales from that email, you know? So good point there. <laughs> All right, number two, Alan. All right, number sin number two is treating everyone the same. Okay, mm-hmm. so now don't get me wrong. I want you to treat everyone fairly, but not equally. So a quick story, like, again, I'll need your help with this, Jono. I, I love it. This is um, fun. Most, work- most, most podcasters yeah. just go on and talk about, guests just talk about themselves. I'm getting to play around here, so I'm, <laughs> I'm enjoying this. Yeah, per- perfect, perfect. So I have a quick question. Who do you think are the easiest people to work with? People who volunteer or people who are forced to be there? <laughs> volunteer. Definitely. Definitely. So it's like because they raise their hand because yeah. they're interested. And definitely they're easier to speak to, they work faster and give you effort beyond what's expected. Right? This also applies to our list because you want to work with volunteers within your list. And how do you know who they are? Okay, They are the ones who are raising their hands. One of the reasons like we hold back with sending more emails is because when we see that open rates, that open rate dwindling down as, mm. as you go through the launch, you get like cold sweat, right? You're getting sales, but also like you're, you're afraid that you're losing your touch your, with your customers. Mm. So something that you can do is like just work with volunteers. So what I mean by that, so if you're going to launch a program about getting those chiseled six-pack abs, I know you're in the fitness space, so you'll probably have pre-launch content leading to the launch, right? So it may be exercise tips, meal plans, or biggest mistakes people are committing. And everyone who consumes those, whether they open the emails, even better are people clicking the links to your content. Those are their way of volunteering. Those are their way of raising their hand that I'm interested. So these are people who are easier to work with. So if they click on links, you can add a tan to them, like right? interested in getting six-pack abs. <laughs> Basically, everybody who opens or clicks on that link, you can add a tag to them. To them, Thus, you can send more emails to them than the rest of your list. Right? If gotcha. you're going to have 10 emails 
for your launch, you can send, say, five emails to the general list, but more emails to those who are volunteering. So you can, um, you can actually increase the performance of your launch without changing a single piece of copy just by treating people differently, fairly, but not equally. So I think that's one of the ways people can have more confidence. We talked about not fearing the unsubscribes, but there are, it's not a quick hot habit to drop. So one mm -hmm. way you can do so is segmenting them to hyper-responsive, those who are very active. And the more you send to them, you will notice that there will be a difference. You will have a jump in open rates and clicks just because you're speaking to the right people. Gotcha. Let me summarize that to make sure I've got my head around it. So I'll use myself as an example. Let's say I send out a weekly email, all right? Let's say every week right. I send out an email. What I would essentially do is set up like a, a tag system where I'm like, right, mm -hmm. if anyone clicks on any of the, the links here, they get a specific tag that says hyper-interested, all right? And right. then let's say I've got a launch coming up at the end of the month. And I want to send mm -hmm. 10 emails over, over two weeks, maybe say, right. yeah, let's say 10 over, over two weeks. So what you're essentially right. saying is, all right, what I might do is Monday to Friday. So I'll, everyone that's, that's in that hyper-interested link, they get all 10 of those emails. But if they're not in that hyper-interested tag, they might just get every second email. Is that what you're saying there? Right. So yeah, I, I guess in terms of specifically for a launch, I would, so what I would do is I would even, if I don't have a launch, for example, so this would be a different type of segmentation. So if I just send regular newsletter emails, I would have a separate tag for them. So every time they open, I have an automation that they open within 30 days. Right? So there is that hyperactivity just based on opens, not necessarily on a specific campaign. Gotcha. Now, if you have, so I have that um, segmented. Then if you have a particular launch, specifically, for example, getting six-pack abs, um, I would send that to everyone, the, like the pre-launch content. Yeah, yeah. So if you have um, a week worth of content before the open cart, then I would have a I would send that to everyone. Yeah. However, when I open cart, I would only send the launch emails to those who have clicked gotcha. or opened any of my emails during the pre-launch. Gotcha. So that way, because... Even within your hyper-targeted, um, hyper-responsive audience, some of them might not be interested with with six-pack abs. Mm -hmm. And while those who are in the inactive ones, maybe this is the type of content they're waiting for. So it's another segmentation that we will have in particular for this offer. Gotcha. Okay, let me get my head around that. So let's say I'm going to do a two-week launch, all right? A week of it is, is the cart isn't opened yet. It's just sending out, you know, content right. and that sort of stuff there. And then the second week is when I do my sales emails. So what you're right. saying is anyone that interacts during that first week where it's just content gets a specific right. tag and that they're right. the only ones that will get the sales emails the next week or they'll just get more sales emails than the other people. Right. Well, you can go a couple of different routes. For me personally, I would only send to people who express interest. Gotcha. So that's a bit okay. more extreme in the yep. sense that I don't, I would ignore everyone who didn't click or open. Yep. Gotcha. Um, having said that, it's automated. So if somebody would click later on, they would catch up with it. Yep. Gotcha. So sometimes people fear, you know, some of our clients or students fear that they're losing out by not sending. 
Yeah, that's what, um, I'm, that's what I'm thinking. I, I'm like, hold on. So I'm not I, selling to these I, people on my list? <laughs> right. Um, you, you can still do that. You can still do that. But perhaps th there's also a, always that good, better, and best. Yeah. Right? yeah so yeah, the best would be all the hyperactive ones. Then you can still let everyone who hasn't, couldn't express any interest in the pre-launch to get the emails, maybe not to the same frequency. Yeah. Right? So one, one of the reasons, yeah, because the reason is we want to protect our sender reputation as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. if if they didn't get, they didn't raise their hand at all during the free content, so so it kind of tells you that they may not be interested. Of course, a, a small portion of them might just be busy at that time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's not going to be a perfect system. Now, I just want to take a minute and let everyone know if you're a course creator, you've already got a course and it's not quite selling, uh, or if you're still in the process of putting your course together at the course creator community, we actually have a VIP group coaching program. It's the best program of its kind and the most affordable as well. So if you'd like some extra help and guidance in either putting your course together or selling your online course, I recommend joining the course creator community VIP program. I'll put the links down in the show notes. All right, so maybe you could just reduce the frequency there. But I would imagine in terms of 80-20, you'll get most of your sales with the hyperactive ones, those who volunteered for your content. Gotcha. Awesome. Okay, makes sense. Number three. All right, so number three um, is calling ourselves creators. All right. Ooh, so, okay. so what I mean by that is... Um, when we call ourselves creators, of course, by by nature, that's our default because we are writing content for people to consume. So it's like we're creating. But at the same time, a lot of people feel that that's too much pressure. You know, um, what do I send this week? What kind of content? I'm running out of ideas. In reality, they do have ideas, but sometimes it's the pressure that's kind of narrowing down <laughs> that, that, that vision, right? Um, here's what I mean. So we often think ourselves as creators, we wonder, we wonder what to say, right? We're putting the spotlight squarely on us, right? What do we have to say for, for our people to, to read, consume? But how about this? Instead of asking, what should I write? Maybe you should ask yourself, what do they want to hear, right? Mm. This way, we're moving the spotlight squarely on them. So the way I would like to frame this is, especially with email marketing, which is direct response marketing, we're not creators. We're mirrors, right? We're basically, we reflect their deepest fears, their innermost desires. It may be a sign that if we feel that ideas are not flowing, it may be a sign that we need to do more research, or perhaps speak to our audience and get them to write our emails by interacting with them, telling us what they want to hear, right? So by doing that, we kind of remove the pressure and think, put on our like detective hats and understand what do they want to hear? What are they asking? And what are the answers that they're looking for? And if we do that, it's kind of, we're removing the pressure of creation from our shoulders. And it's just more of like picking what they, they tell us to mm -hmm. say and bringing it to them. So it's like, for me, the analogy I'd like to, to use there is like, we're kind of tearing a page out of their diary and reading it back to them. Mm -hmm. So that's how I approach writing emails in this case. Yes, love it. I'm a huge fan of the, the client-centric model myself, so I, I love that one there. Mm -hmm. All right, so there's three. What's number four, Alan? 
let's take a quick break. When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. Yes, sin number four is not recycling emails. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so recycling is good for Mother Nature. It's also good (laughs) for your business. (laughs) So, because here's the reality. Um, Most people ignore our emails. Mm -hmm. Majority, if you hit 20, 30%, that you're you're batting a good average already. 30%, I wish. Right. <laughs> right. So it means like 70 to 80% of people don't see our emails. Right. And maybe the way we frame emails should be changed as well. So, for example, if you're running Facebook ads, the way an analogy I use is it's like going to a typical restaurant where you, you pay for everything you order. Um, with emails, it's more like a buffet. Right. You pay a fixed fee and you can send a limited amount of emails. So, mm-hmm. in many ways, emails are ads too. And mm-hmm. in many ways, it's emails are unlimited ads, right? Mm-hmm. And if you have a successful Facebook ad running or Google Google ad, YouTube ad, what do you do? You keep running it, right? You keep running it. So why can't you reuse emails, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying to reuse the same email every day. <laughs> what I mean is if you have <laughs> if you have an email that worked like a couple of months ago, yeah. right? maybe you can reuse that three months later. Especially if you you're gonna go on vacation, maybe you can track what are your best performing emails and mm. reuse that. If you have a launch, you don't have to write the emails from scratch again. Mm. And there's a reason that it worked. So I I would when I do relaunching, I'd say eighty to ninety percent are the same emails, and I would just tweak based from the feedback for the previous mm-hmm. launch, right? Because when you create an email, when you write an email. You're not creating a one-off disposable product. Mm. You're actually creating assets for life, right? So that's a framework that I'd like to to share because a lot of people, to be honest, think of emails as an afterthought. <laughs> like mm. I'll do everything else. Oh, then oh yeah, I have to write the emails. But if if they think of it as like a disposable asset, then the value, the hassle, it in their mind. Okay, I have to write this, and it's just going to be a one-off. I have to write a new one that's that's not going to be motivating for them to do to write but if you think of it as an asset you're willing to spend more time to write it because knowing knowing that you'll be able to reuse it in the future it it rises up in your priority right Mm -hmm. so you have to understand that these are assets that you're creating and yeah so it makes you it allows you to go on vacation it allows you to shorten the work it, it needs to for you to launch and it's going to be more enjoyable. You're going to mm. live a more enjoyable life doing that. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of that myself. You know, I'll look at my my schedule, and then let's say if there's something I launched three months ago, let me go and check out the emails three months ago. You know what? I can probably use these exact same ones again. You know, I'll do them again. Or it's like, or if it didn't work, obviously, okay, why didn't it work? What can I change it? Or even just modeling. You know, okay, hold on. Last launch worked really well. Here, I'm selling a completely different product. But let me see what I did last, 
you know, last launch. And let me just substitute yeah, some yeah. of the words there. So I, I love that there. Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah. Sin number five, Alan, what do you got for us there? <laughs> yeah. Um, sin number five, I haven't really heard of this a lot in, in the online space and internet, but sin number five is forgetting fun. Mm. <laughs> you know, um, forgetting fun. Like for, like, I have a question for you, Jono, like, do you feel like in some ways, like your list, it's part of your family. <laughs> like, do you have that sense of attachment to your subscribers? Yeah. Well, I'm more of a Facebook group guy. I like, I, I sort okay. of use them in, in collab. I think of them as the same, my email list and my right. Facebook group, but yeah, hundred percent, you know? Yeah. It's definitely yeah. family. Don't know family, but definitely like community okay. or, you know, community right. or what's what I'm for. Da, da, da. Yeah, yeah, community. I'd say neighborhood. You know, yeah, that, that's what I sort of feel Great. like. Yeah. yeah, it's like they're your Team. people, right? They're your yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, that, that's one thing. Like people tend to forget having fun with their communication. Mm. They think of emails like con in terms of conversions, in terms of sales. Mm. But if you think about it, each one, each one of your subscriber, like there's perhaps an overworked dad. You know, um, a depressed teen, or perhaps a newlywed um, woman, right? So they they're into this different life cycles, and everyone has an emotion. Everyone wants to feel good, and each email, when I think of it, each email must basically each email is a promise, right? It's a promise that it's going to be worth your time, that you're going to be better off reading this than if you ignore this. And at the same time, our goal as the one writing it is to make them feel something, right? So in order to, the easiest way to make people, other people feel it is for you to have fun or be joyful in writing it <laughs> at the same time, because I believe that translate, tra translates in your copy, in your email, right? So it's the reason, because people forget this, it's why some of them would rather watch paint dry <laughs> mm. than sit down and write, write an email. Um, for me, I consider my email list as my people. These are the people that get me and mm. there are, I share, I'd share stories with them that I might not share on social. Um, I'd share it on my private Facebook, Facebook group, but not publicly and that not on a page because in some ways I feel that we have this relationship as well. And, and when you're familiar with your list, you can have more fun with it, right? Mm -hmm. Because if we feel comfortable with people we, we talk to, we tend to let our hair down, right? We tend to be more open. And people on the other side can sense that, you know, I, I feel so connected with you. And one of the things that um, subconsciously we, we try to follow is if just in case we meet a subscriber in person, would we feel proud of the emails that we send them? Mm. You know, like, <laughs> are, are we just spamming them or are we sending them content that we're proud of? And so that's kind of an internal benchmark that it's more subconscious. But that's something that we want to um, share as well. And one of the ways that we add fun to our emails is what we call talking things email. <laughs> so how that goes is, for example, instead of sending an email from Jono, right? We'll send, since you used to be in the fitness space, we can send an email from from a dumbbell, right? It's like <laughs> the dumbbells, the one speaking to the reader. Or perhaps you're, you're yeah. Perhaps like your hidden six pack abs, yeah, <laughs> that, that the one that's waiting to be chiseled away, right? <laughs> so 
Yeah, because when we do that, you know, um, the the person reading that feels that it's a novelty. You, as the one writing it, feels like okay, this is fun. Like it it helps you push the boundaries, and for the one reading it, it kind of um, the defenses are down because mm-hmm. they're just immersed in what you have to say. And even if you have to sell something at the end, uh, they're gonna enjoy the experience. They would have proper context before they decide. And they end up reading your email with a smile. So that's something that I think people should also consider when writing their emails because that joy, that sense of fun does translate to to your copy and the way your mind works. So yeah, that's something that I feel it's not really talked about a lot because it's very business, business, business. But I think if, especially if somebody is a solopreneur or you're very close with your audience, they know you, uh, you're also the brand then I think it's a great idea as well to kind of, at least once in a while, throw in something uh, crazy or <laughs> something you want to test to break that monotony and people will notice that. <laughs> I'll tell you a story. <laughs> it's gonna be, I, I don't know if I should say it on air, but it, it sort of adds to that as well. So one of the courses we sell in my other business, Fitness Education Online, is um, pelvic floor essentials for fitness professionals. Mm. So, you know, in a nutshell, the fitness professional takes the course and they help women, you know, do better exercises with their pelvic floor. So the subject line we used was, hey, name, how's your vagina? Right. So you would have gone, Hey, Alan, how's your vagina? And it's one of those things, right? Some people did get offended. They're like, Hey, that's not appropriate language. Unsubscribe. That's fine. But like, they're probably not the sort of, if that's the, if we like to have fun and muck around and that sort of stuff, probably not the people on there. That was our highest open rate ever and the highest sales ever. So I think it, uh, it it definitely works. And just so I can get my head around it, that dumbbell thing. So you're saying instead of the email coming from Jono at the course creator community, nice. the email is coming from a 16 kilo dumbbell. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you can go two ways about it, right? Of course, when you use a different subject line, a uh, different from name, it can throw people off, but it mm-hmm. can also increase curiosity. So I would suggest testing that out. So it, you can go two ways. You can use the from name as the 16, 16 kilo, 16 pound dumbbell, or you can keep your name or in the opening line, hey, this is Jono. This is his favorite oh, dumbbell, nice. the right one. <laughs> <laughs> Not the left one. <laughs> so yeah, you can you know you can do that to to kind of keep the credibility, then do the twist on the first line. So okay, this is different, right? <laughs> Love it. That is fun. I'm definitely trying that one there out. So awesome. All right, cool. So let's give a summary of those five sins there. So apologize right. for any um any Christians, you know, about the sins. We're just having some some fun with the, the stuff here. Right. So number one was fearing unsubscribes. Whatever you do, don't fear unsubscribes. Number two was treating everyone the same. We don't want to treat everyone exactly the same because there's buyers and there's hyper buyers and there's not buyers. So let's treat them accordingly. Uh, number three was not calling ourselves creators. We want a more mirror um our subscribers there number four was non-recycling emails and number five was forgetting to have fun so awesome tips there alan there's just a couple questions i like to always finish these podcasts off with i usually ask everyone because a lot of people that come on are course creators and i'll sort of say hey you know who do you uh, host your course with since you're an email guy i'm going to put a slight um switch on that What's your favorite CRM? What do you use or what do you recommend uh, solopreneurs use or, or both? 
let's take a quick break. If you want tips and strategies on how to start, grow, and monetize your business online, check out the Digital Revolution podcast with Eli Adams. We interview digital experts from around the world that share their personal stories. They talk about what they're currently working on and where they see the future going. But most importantly, they share tactics in their specific area of expertise with the hope of helping you improve your digital presence online. You can listen to the Digital Revolution podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, or simply click on the link in the show notes below. Oh, great, great. That's a great question. Um, actually, currently, for for example, I use personally for my business Kartra right now. Kartra, um, okay, because yeah. it's um, I'm not a techie guy, <laughs> so I used to have separate um software providers, and it's mm. hard to make everyone talk. Yep. So it's like a Frankenstein setup. <laughs> yep. So I currently use Kartra for my emails. However, for somebody starting out, um, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that because it's a higher tier and. It's better if you're a bit more intermediate and advanced. Yep. For people starting out, for me, I, w- I can only suggest what I've used because I know there's a lot of options out there. For me, I would suggest Active Campaign. Yeah. Um, so That's I also I still have Active Campaign. Yeah. It, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. The only reason I tr- use Kartra is because the of one. all the integration. Yeah. Yeah. But I still have my Active Campaign account because I have an archives of email yeah. there. They're yeah. amazing. Like, they're super powerful. It's like if Infusionsoft and say Aweber had a child. <laughs> mm. It's kind of it's it's basically active campaign because it has the automation, and uh, without the price of a high end CRM mm. like Infusionsoft. So yeah, that's what I would recommend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love a huge fan of active campaign. I've used it for years, and I'm just too scared to to learn something else. But I see where you're <laughs> coming because now with my main business, fitness education online. I use I use Active Campaign, ClickFunnels, Samcart, Zapier, right. Teachable. It's a nightmare, you know. But I've got literally like a thousand right. funnels, so I can't change it, you know. Um, <laughs> right. With my new business, the Course Creator Community, I went with New Zenla because Kartra. Do you have courses at all, Alan? Do you do you, um, host I any do. courses? I, I host them in Kartra as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's why I went with New Zenla on my new business course creator community because it was an all-in-one it was like emails and landing pages and um funnels and course hosting as well but i found the emails on new zenla weren't great it just didn't give me as much flexibility as active campaign so i just use the i still use it so i use new zenla and active campaign for for that business there but yeah definitely cartridge is a, a good option there um next question alan is around mentors now, you're obviously a mentor for plenty of solopreneurs out there that want to uh, write better emails, tell better stories, make more money via email marketing. I'm curious to hear who your biggest mentors have been. And if you could answer this in um, two different ways. So one way is a mentor that you've uh, – well, actually, three different ways. Let's go. A mentor that you've paid money to and you've done their course or their coaching program or whatever right. it is a mentor that you haven't paid money to, but you follow them on social media or Instagram, YouTube, their podcast, whatever it is. And then a book that you recommend every course creator should read if they want to get better at email marketing. Right. Um, yeah. For the paid one, the one I took the course with is I, I taken the course of Ryan Devec. Oh, um, which is for ask. Um, the ask method. Yeah. Yeah. And also like the quiz funnel, yeah. So I, I like it because it's very systematic. Um, 
again, like like the the way I started off um, the call, it's like I don't think I'm anyone special. So I rely on frameworks and and yeah. systems, you know, to, to kind of produce. And he has a very I've always heard that you should do research. It's just that he has a way with his ass method to um, make it systematic, uh, even computing how long the responses are to your survey and mm. ignoring the rest. So it's okay. So it, it's because I would treat every answer the same, but there's a system to make sure that you only speak to people who are hyper responsive. So that's really something very important for me that I still use to this day. Um, and another, so somebody who I didn't pay, but also a mentor for me, I might go a different route in that sense, but it, they're not really on social media, but he's more of a peer. Um, so his name is John Pagulayan. So locally, he actually has still working with Ryan Lebec, but we okay. connected on, on a more personal level because he's my, he's my compatriot. Basically, he's also in the country, but he's very, he's very wise. He's a low key guy, but he's, um, the way he thinks of offers, um, copy, it's very different from people that I've seen online. So, so yeah, John Pagulayan, locally, he's been helping freelancers kind of raise their game, basically, and work in a global scale. So, so I learned from him more of the thinking, the mindset and the approach with copy. So that's the second, uh, mentor I had, it's more of a peer. And lastly, with the book, um. There's, of course, there's a certain number of books that cycles through in terms of persuasion and copywriting, but I would go with a, in a different route. Um, one thing, one book that I would recommend as if anyone has noticed from the call, the conversation that I love analogies <laughs> and one of the best books out there for analogies is like the tall lady with the iceberg by okay. Ann Miller. Let me so Amazon it now. It says like, yeah. <laughs> So the power of metaphor to sell. So that's basically um, how she positions the book. Yeah, it's a book about analogies, how to come up with analogies, how to make the complex sound simple. And for anyone who has a course and who tries to teach, that's really a critical skill. Mm -hmm. And because that's the people who I admire, people who can simplify the complex. Because usually people would think the other way around. If you use big words, you seem more intelligent, which is like the exact opposite. So yeah, I would highly recommend people check that book out and yeah, make, make, it helps also with your emails, like to make it punchier, shorter, brief, but packs a lot of punch. Love it. I just added it to, to my cart then on uh, Amazon, <laughs> my wish list. Sorry. Amazing. So, all right, Alan, that's pretty much all I wanted to cover for today. Is there anything I should have asked you, but forgot, or is there anything you want to finish us off with? Yeah, um, I actually noted something here as a bonus <laughs> for everyone. So I, a lot of um, what you hear with email marketing in general is don't over teach, right? Teach them the what and sell them the how. And I, I like to add another angle there that may not be um, often talked about. For me, like when I write emails, I go, I subscribe to that thinking what and um, tell them the what sell the how, but at the same time, something that I want to include in my emails as well is, um, instead of just teaching them a lesson, I want to give them fresh eyes. Right? It's like fresh eyes to see the world, give them an insight. I remember one of your episodes, you refer to this as the breakthrough, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I, I would also 
think of it that way. So, um, so for example, in the financial market, one of the biggest things that people ask is, where should I invest? Like stocks, crypto, real estate. But perhaps you're asking the wrong question. Maybe you should ask, what's the right one for me? Or in what order should I start with? So instead of simply answering the question at the level it was asked, perhaps you can elevate the conversation or even change the question. So when you do that, you kind of give them a fresh set of eyes to view the problem. And when you do that, it's a fresh set of eyes. They don't, don't know what to do about it. So if you lead them to like a workshop or a training or content, it makes them more likely to explore that because, okay, you gave me this fresh set of eyes, teach me how to use it. So in that, that kind of thinking. So yeah, think of insights, breakthroughs, as you would refer to it, or fresh eyes, because if you can elevate the conversation, they would more likely to follow your succeeding emails, regardless of the subject line, mm. because they would attach that branding to your name, to your personal name, to your brand name. And it's going to be a reading habit at the end. Yes. Love that. I, I like um, a variation of that. I like as well is Russell Brunson calls it the opportunity switch, you know, instead of mm. just telling people nice. the same or um, you know, the same thing or how to do it better, which you'll call an improvement offer, right. the, the opportunity switch, you know, where it's like, Hey, everyone's Amazing. talking about this, but have you thought about this, you know, and I got sucked right. into one of those the other week as well, actually someone uh -huh. I was scrolling through my Facebook feed and there was an ad that was like, Hey, you know, you shouldn't give out freebies, right. To, to grow your email list. Cause you'll just get freebie people. Right. You know, what you want to do is get a tiny offer, sell something for $27. You know, you'll get buyers. Right. They're more likely to buy yada, 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 you know, and Hey, I've actually got a $2,000 course that teaches you how to do it. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> I need to learn how to do that. I'm going to do it because it was something different. You know, it was the opportunity switch. Mm. So yeah, I love that. Well, Hey, Alan, thank you very much um, for your time. Thank you very much. It's been fun and I look forward to speaking with you more in the future. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Course Creator Community Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort and we'll catch you in the next episode.